Hi folks, thanks for tuning in once again to Riffs and Scripts. Please be aware this is a content warning that the topics of sexual harassment and sexual assault do turn up in this episode around the 29 minute to 35.5 minute mark. Hello and welcome back to Roofs and Scripts. This week we're talking all about festivals, but before we get to that, Cole, it's just been your birthday. It has just been my birthday. This How is true. How are you feeling? I'm feeling not 22, but 28. Um, did you see my Facebook post today, actually? I didn't, know What was on it? Oh, that's very sad because... As many of my friends will know that uh, I was 28 that day, but what they won't know is that my last day of school actually um, was my 18th birthday. So it's officially 10 years since I finished school. But more importantly... I saw this actually, yeah. It's 10 years since I won the award for most likely to be arrested for indecent exposure. Um, And I think that's still really realistic. You could get arrested for indecent exposure any day. It's my crowning achievement. I'm more proud of that than anything else I've achieved in my entire life. I saw that someone from the band put a really lovely post up yesterday about you. I know. How cute was that? Yeah, what a what a what a sap. You're a sap. So you're feeling a bit no, delicate today, that was mate. Naive. You hanging? You hanging? I'm not hanging. I feel a bit poo. I'm tired. I drank a bit, but I couldn't get drunk. Sorry, I was going to talk about poo and then thought, is it too soon? Oh. <laughs> Is it too soon to talk about poo? When is it too it's soon never, to talk Amber, about poo? Amber, Amber, listen, listen. Yes. It's never too soon to talk about poo. You or talk, too late talk to talk poo. about poo. I just did a really satisfying poo today. You know, those good ones. Aww. Those yeah. good ones. When you finish up, you you go out, you you leave the bathroom, and then it's like, it's almost like Disney music plays. <laughs> and there's And there's yellow flowers parading through the air and birds twittering and your bowels have been successfully evacuated. And you just feel like half a stone lighter. Have you ever weighed yeah. yourself before and after a poo? Because I have. Oh, have you? Yeah. Did, did you find interesting results? To be honest, I can't remember, but I do think there was a bit of a difference because the amount of times that I've done a poo and then been like, man, I wish I'd weighed myself before that. And then <laughs> I don't have scales at my flat. And then one time I was at my mum's and I needed to poo and I was like, oh, she has scales. She yeah. has scales. That makes Boom. it sound like my mum's like a fish. But yeah, do you have a good Is birthday, mate? actually a fish? She it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, it was good. Weirdly, I got a basketball hoop and... That might sound odd because, you know, I'm obviously uh, a very nerdy person who's very averse to any form of sport. But actually, not many people know is that I actually used to play basketball kind of semi-competitively when I was very small. And yeah. I was very, very small. I was very a short person. Um, I also did martial arts, actually. You might not know. Did you? I, did I never knew that. that. Mm. I did a lot of martial arts when I was younger. So, um, you know, I just beat up basketballs. Okay, let's chat about festivals so cole apart from the big obvious music ones like you yeah. know your glastonbury your reading yeah. yeah i don't know much about music festivals so enlighten me which ones have you performed okay. at tell me what's tell me what's going on i've actually performed at a buttload of festivals yeah um small ones uh, a couple of big ones so i did do bloodstock ages ago it's funny though see we we missed a perfect segue opportunity there though did we because we were talking about poo and poo is a key part of festivals you know <sighs> Like, yeah, you're right. when you go to download festival, 
it is worth paying that two quid for the comfy toilets. I'm telling you right now. I've never been to download. Sit. I've heard a lot about download. I didn't You've know there were like... download. No, I've never been to download. I didn't know that there were like the fancy <sighs> toilets at download. I didn't know that was a yeah, thing. You, you can pay for the fancy toilets, which I think is worth it because it's just better. Yeah. Also, Bloodstock. Oh my God. I remember camping at... Um, Actually, I think that one was download where the, where there was a flood because it rained the whole time. Yes, it rained the whole time I was there. Yeah. And it was all flooding and the toilets were just at the thing and you just had to trudge through all the poo to get to the toilets. Anyway, festivals. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Lovely. Delicious. Delicious. Nutritious. Ugh. Nutritious. Anyway. I've had some I've awful actually... times in those, in those like portable toilets. Like I'm a tiny little thing. So even just making myself hover is, is quite tricky. Like it's quite, anyway. So which musical festival did you perform at first? First? I think actually genuinely the first real actual festival was Bloodstock. What okay. happened was we... um. Uh, we won the Metal to the Masses competition in Oxford. So Bloodstock run metal Battle of the Bands competitions in like pretty much every city in the UK oh, or awesome. every major city in the UK. And then um, all the bands compete and the winning band represents that city at Bloodstock on the new Blood stage, which is the kind of the smaller introducting, introducing, introducting, introducting. introducing. Yeah, that, that's the, right. Yeah, the new Blood stage is like the introducing stage. Yeah. And it's uh, a really good opportunity, actually, for bands who probably haven't got much of a profile because they're only really local bands to suddenly go, boom, we're playing in front of loads of people who are like from a national crowd rather than from a local crowd. Yeah. So Bloodstock was one of one of my favourite ones we did. I kind of um, love we that went as down well. Storm, actually. I love the way that that works because that's very like hollywood movie you know you're the best in your school then you're the best in the area and then if you win the next championship you get to go to bloodstock that's so yeah yeah it was good it was really cool so is that how you um, got there well yeah we we just would okay we're a rock band we are not a metal band so we went in there going well we're definitely not gonna win so we'll just have a laugh and like it's almost this is gonna sound bad but we almost entered as a joke because we were like well, we're not gonna win so like so we just went out and just were like we're just gonna play our bollocks off and then um see what happens and then we won every round and then we were like why are we at the final what's happened here and then we won the final and we were like well shit that's so, cute so when you guys got started head. so yeah who are your original members most of you who are oh, still Christ. Okay, so actual original members. So the original members weren't even in there during... In fact, that's probably a good story, you know. Go I've on. I've had five drummers. I've had five drummers. You've had, you had you drummer like slut. Tech. Mate, drummers are the ones with the fucking sluts, okay? Seriously, every drummer you've ever met is in like a hundred fucking bands. Are you serious? Like, they don't have like band there is, loyalty. There, there is a whole joke among um, musicians that drummers have to be in a shit ton of bands because there just aren't that many drummers. Because when you get interested in music, you pick up the guitar, right? And if you're yeah. not very good at the guitar, you pick up the bass. <laughs> and if you've got money and you are just a weird fucking personality, you play the drums and you're not actually a musical person. Sorry, but that's what happens. Okay, a lot of I don't drummers think are it's fair to be saying a lot that of drummers are musical, but there's, there's, means there's... you're not musical. <laughs> That's okay, there, there is a joke among musicians. What you call a guy who hangs around with three musicians? A drummer. And the reason is that most drummers aren't actually like melodically musical. Now they are musical in a rhythmic sense, 
but there's a fucking thing about that, all right? Now, I'm not shitting on you drummers. I'm sure Neil Peart knows much more about music theory than I do. It sounds a lot like you're shitting on drummers. But, no, 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 no. But I will be their uh, like, defender. When, you, when you're in the room, when you're in the room with an amazing drummer, you know you're in the room with an amazing drummer. And, and drummers are a fantastic thing. They have a skill that none of us have. And yet, and yet... It can be really fucking... Oh, my God. Drummers are fucking pain in my ass. I'm not being right? funny. Because I um, there, was involved th- with a drummer when I was a teenager. Well, And I Okay, literally... Did you bang your drum? <laughs> shut the fuck up. I literally, as a teenager, if I went into my school and said, I have a new crush or I like this guy, I shit you not, by the time I was 15, the first question would be, okay, Amber, what instrument does he play? I yeah, was that kid. Um, I was that one. I mean... And I mean, the drummer, I'm just going to say, first of all, he actually played like four instruments and he was, and I think oh, it's didn't your, he play yeah. like four instruments. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, like four and also, I think, you're, no, but I think it backs up your point. The reason he would drum for their band was because the rest of them couldn't. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes total sense. And I will also just say he had really good arms. They were in oh, great shape. Arms. It's upper body Such workout when you play the drums. <sighs> really is the word it's, it's, it's much more uh, you know like, who um, you are you know, being a drummer is a lot more about athleticism than anything else <laughs> yeah you're just being you really bloody, athletic in rhythm <laughs> you have to bloody do it for like rhythmic an hour anger. the reason why guitarists are fucking annoying is because um, they're literally like oh you're trying to have a conversation oh just play this fucking thing over and over again alright blah oh I can't tune my guitar oh, okay actually that's not fair that's not fair because Naif is really polite and really good Nice. And he will actually use a tuner, but a lot of nice. <sighs> a lot of guitarists don't use fucking tuners, which is really weird. Even at like the level that I've got at, where people are kind of trying to take it seriously, mm. but a lot of them are still like bow down, 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 bow down. They're all doing that, right? They're fucking. I remember when I used to play guitar, it was like a it was like a, a, a symbol of how good you were if you could tune by ear versus with a tuner. Yeah. Except the thing is with tuning by ear, you sound great on your own and then you've got to play with other people. Yeah. Luke's a really good drummer. Luke is someone who wants to always improve and uh, he takes the time to... There's a hole in my knowledge. I'm just going to fucking pursue it until it's done and then I'll mm. find something else, um, which is really cool. Um and uh, he was someone who we, we did two EPs together and in the first one he we looked back on it and he was like oh they had to quantize loads of stuff and I just was I was being sloppy I didn't do it by the time we got the second one in he was just boom powerhouse did everything on the dot right it was really impressive actually. legend um, singers are really irritating for most uh, people because singers are um, they, they have this whole ego thing going on the whole time I always say that like you know being amongst actors is like being around a shit ton of singers <laughs> because like there's a whole there's a bit of ego play to be fair though there are a lot of egos amongst actors but because of the reputation that there are so many egos amongst actors so many actors that i know personally work really hard to make sure they don't behave that way to the point where it goes in the other direction and actors can really get walked all over and it's this weird tightrope where you do want to say well actually um of course i want to i want to make sure that i'm working as hard as anybody else and i want to make sure that i i i do my job well but then also you know we've touched on this before sometimes it's like well actually 
that's irresponsible and yeah. that's unreasonable and like when i was doing um a show last year for some reason i just had this ongoing joke of just going call my agent <laughs> because <laughs> that was new because um calling your agent is the easiest way to let your agent be confrontational for you so that yeah. you're not then the one who is the diva yeah, yeah 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 my point is that yeah you are correct i know some very egotistical actors it's just true and singers. something the thing that attracts people to being actors and singers it's, it's that performative thing it's the spotlight it is the person in the spotlight mm. it's the one that gets cheered for and gets to do the big bow and you know all of that and you are correct but for mm. that reason we try so hard to make sure that we do not behave out of yeah, line yeah. and again the two opposite ends of the spectrum are male actors so i know some male actors whose egos drive me absolutely nuts like i hope i never have to work with them again and then i know some other male actors who so badly don't want to be that guy that they are mm. the sweetest kindest most respectful please make sure that I don't cross any boundaries. Please make sure that I don't, I'm not so like when, when I did Medusa the first time, cause um, I was, the company did lots and lots of different runs in different countries and different venues. Um, I did two of their shows. The first time there was only one male actor and he was an absolutely lovely guy and he didn't do it out of nerves. Um, he's a very like special example because he was raised by two women and he's really proud of that, but he was so careful. He, I don't think I ever remember him talking over, someone or shooting down someone's idea and if someone disagreed with him he didn't care and weirdly that can be quite a rare and wonderful thing when there's one man in the room surrounded by five women um but yeah he was fabulous and you can really get the two ends of the spectrum when it comes to good male actors i'll tell you what there's there's a whole thing that we would that you were talking about there with 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 singers and actors because basically they're kind of very similar personality types is what i've noticed i'm Um, both (laughs) and singers are really uh, singers can be really funny uh, when you meet them and it's nice when they're not. And um, there's a thing that I always struggle with. So as a performer, I really fucking crank up the charismatic run around, do whatever the fuck I want thing. I'm not a cocky person. I'm really, really, really not. And it, it, it galls me that some people think I am. And like, I'm not I'm not even a confident person. Like I find it really difficult to talk to people and I find it, I, I get really socially anxious and um people assume that i'm like a cocky piece of shit because i can rip my shirt off off stage and run around like a twat it's an entirely different set of things it's not the same it's not the same internal mental process that's happening it's not it's not at all like in fact there are there, again another one of the personality types that are attracted to things like singing acting music are very often introverts who don't really know how to express themselves on a day-to-day yep. basis and sometimes the stage and the spotlight is this like lovely little way of unlocking that and it's a way of, yep. of letting out that part of you that yep. on yep. that usually you you know you, people one doesn't necessarily know how to express mm. without feeling really self-conscious and shy <laughs> So, um, we've talked about one festival. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll go through some festivals. I'll go through Do you some know what's really right? depressing? When you were talking what? about Bloodstock, I quickly Googled it and it just said cancelled because 2020. Yeah, because yeah, 2020, man. Fuck we haven't done Bloodstock in ages. Uh, we did it the once they didn't have us back because they hate us. No, sorry. Really? Why we, didn't we, they have you back? We, come on, tell us. No, juice, no, no, juice, no. juice, juice. They didn't have us back because there's, there's back hundreds of bands who wanted to come back and we're not a metal band. So that's totally reasonable. Like, I thought you were no a metal band. I've been telling people that you're a metal band. Am I wrong? Why have you been saying that? We're a rock band. No, 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 no. 
Oh. No, 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 no. Okay. We were really worried, actually. We were intimidated as balls because through the whole competition, there are all these bands going like, blah, like, like all right. the time, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's why we won, honestly, because I was the only person who was like a singer. Yeah, yeah. And with like, a, with we a were the only tune. band... Yeah, we were the only band that were writing actual kind of songs. There's a there's a trap that a lot of metalheads fall into, and not all metalheads. There's a lot of great metal bands. Obviously, I'm a fan of huge, fucking masses of metal bands, right? But a lot of metal bands fall into this problem of I can write the heaviest riff in the world, and everything is written for a guitarist to be a guitarist rather than yeah. to write awesome songs together. Oh, it's and so true though. Like, there, there was a whole stage yeah. where metal music was just a competition on how fast your guitarist could do a riff. Yep, yep. That was that was true. That's just a fact. Yeah, I and love like, Dragon. We got, we got so yeah um, I love Dragon we, got, Force. we got so sick of we got so we, we were playing in this thing and we, every band just sounded the same and it was really depressing mm. because there was, every now and again you had one band that was really good and I actually judged it um, a couple of years afterwards did and you that's was, awesome there was, there was a lot more variation that time um, but like and the thing is though the ones that were like the really heaviest bands who you could tell the ones that were really good because things had a structure and made some kind of uh, kind of narrative sense almost, you know, like yeah, an actual song. And a lot of people of don't seem to write actual songs once they get they get obsessed with just making a big noise, which is fun. But you've got to have... It's why, you know, it's bands fun, like... It's fun, but you have to do more um, than just that one fun thing. It's that exactly, simple. exactly. A lot of people listen to Slayer and were like, oh, I'm going to be a thrash band, you know, in the 80s. Just go and be a thrash band. And then they write, you know, some really heavy riff and then... Don't do anything else with yeah, the job song, done. you know, um, which is a shame. And there's there's buckets of really great metal bands. In fact, I'm going to mention uh, Kayla Kura were a really good heavy band. And they're actually in the same competition as us. And then unfortunately, they had to back out of the final because of something else that happened. And they actually won when I judged uh, the next year or two years after that. I think 2017, I think it was. Um, they're a really, really good band. So really how heavy. did you get involved in judging? They asked me because like, we won. So because um, we won the year before. Uh, well, well, they they took a year out, and then they took another year, and then they asked me to judge it. See, I just I um, feel like you're being a bit humble here because I feel like every year they've got someone who's won. So why did they get you guys to judge? Was it you? Were you judging as a group, or was it just you? No, I was, I was only judging Oxford. I wasn't judging everything. I was judging oh, Oxford. I see. Right, okay, so, that makes so sense. So I judge I judge all the kind of heats apart from I got ill one night, um, and then they get Simon Hall, who's the Bloodstock kind of guy who runs that stage. Uh, he picks the finalist. And right. uh, it was done by percentage, by partially by judge and partially by um, fan thing, and there was it was an interesting it was an interesting thing because a lot of it was down to audience vote, but we also wanted to get rid of the thing that was like we've brought all our mates along so they yeah. can all vote for us, and then so that's why we had judges. Oh and then I, I met I someone a, else. A co- I have a bitchy story to tell you when you're ready. Yeah, you, you, just, you just you just let me it, know. Okay, so so I I later years later, someone I said, oh yeah, we did quite well in uh, Metal to the Masses. We won that and played Plus Talk. And someone, some guy from another band, he said, oh I can't stand Metal to the Masses because we did this show and we brought all our all our fans along and they got all voted for us. And then and then there was like a half of it was down to a judge vote. And I was just like, well yeah, that was the point. The idea was to not get the most famous band, but to get the band that was the best band. That was why they did that. You know, I really like Bloodstock because they they have a good kind of arrangement of they just try and find the best and not sometimes it's not even the best band it's the most appropriate band because by the time you get to the final you're saying seeing like five really good bands and then you're trying to pick the one that's actually best for the metal festival mm. you know? yeah that's a fair point so another example of um an 
of a musician that I I fancied as a teenager did not last long. This guy, the other the other guy was actually lovely. This one, um, I think I was thirteen or fourteen, and yep. I went to a a kind of battle of the bands. It wasn't like there wasn't really a, it wasn't a competition, but it also wasn't an open mic night. It was a night in some kind of community place for a load of local teenage yeah. bands. It was lovely. I wish areas did stuff like that more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We were all young. We had somewhere to go. We had live music. It was great. And um, I danced with this boy. I danced with this boy? Did I you? danced with this oh boy. God. I actually think he was a drummer as well. <laughs> oh dear. Did he have the good forearms? Did he have a good no, forearms? no. Spaghetti arms, this guy. He was starting oh, out. Throw him in a bin. Just starting Get out. Bin. Come on, man. Get we were kids. Be kind. But... Um, Right, You've so, got to be a man by the time you're 14. Yeah. So we exchanged numbers on our little Nokias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Those were the days. Oh my God. Genuinely, I remember asking at the time their band had been together for one month. So I was like, you're really good considering you've been together for one month. And I thought we had met at this event and we were just getting along. We did like flirty texting for a few days. And then I get this message saying, oh, his his brother was the front man, by the way. He and his brother were doing this band together. And no, I'm not going to say the name of the band because they have continued working. But this is when Brilliant. we were 14. You have to tell me now. Uh, no, not with mics on. Absolutely not. Okay, just just tell me and then delete it. Nope. Don't trust you. Right. Anyway. You he, Never mind. He, his brother, yeah, was, I think he was, was the songwriter, the singer, you know, that guy. And I get this message a few days later saying, um, my brother says I shouldn't get involved with a fan. <laughs> those of you who can't see me my eyebrow is like in my oh hairline my right now what an egotistical oh thing to say they were oh 14 like 14 years i i have overheard conversations oh and then sorry the reason i thought of them was because then they were doing some big competition in camden and he then messages me like can you come can you bring your friends you live in north yeah, london yeah, and i was like yeah man i'm bringing like my whole year never showed up fuck you yeah, of, course not. <laughs> of course not oh my god you've you've tapped into like a lot of subjects there so just you need to give me some time on this one <laughs> I've Fair got enough. To, number one the thing that you said about him texting you to get you to come to this show right <sighs> i have had so many calls to do that i have oh there's there's a whole range of issues okay so number one you get a lot of places that say you have to sell tickets for this and otherwise we won't let you play again if you don't sell enough tickets so you'll have to bring all all these people around there right yeah two promoters they they don't seem to understand that their total role has changed because promoters now ask bands to just do all the promoting for them and they don't do don't really do their job anymore um and that's become a whole thing now you absolutely have responsibility as a band to do what promotion you can but the weight shouldn't be totally on you because otherwise what's the entire purpose of having a promoter right because a promoter needs to promote so they're not just a host right it's yeah. a totally different thing. That's is a, this is a massive deal and it stresses me out. And so um, there is a whole culture of people texting people that they know who are kind of fans but kind of people they know yeah. and um, trying to get them to come to gigs. And obviously they never come anyway. So we made a point 
after a while say we're going to put everything on our Facebook page and we're going to do you know the legwork of um, actually promoting things but when it comes to me individually asking fans to come to a show it's not going to happen because there's no point in me doing the show otherwise because I do the shows to get fans and to make I'm either going to be doing shows to make money from the show or I'm going to be doing it to make fans and I very rarely make enough money from a show to make it it worth it so what is the utter purpose of doing it because I'm only playing to people who don't really want to be there so Mm. Like they're there out of obligation as my friend, you know? So that's a whole deal. There's a whole part of being in a band, which is about self-delusion, that you are going to be part of the top 3% of people that actually make it. Yeah. I'm I'm saying make it in in quote marks there because there's very, very different um, kind of uh, uh, parameters for what people cool being consider success yeah because i remembered because i was getting low last couple of years going oh i can't believe this you know we've been playing for so long we're not really getting anywhere we're not making any money out of it and yet when i was 16 yeah 15 16 when we started the band all i really wanted to do was obviously i had that dream of being oh really good famous rock star but what i really wanted to do was be able to book a show basically anywhere in the country and have people turn up yeah. And I actually achieved that. Yeah. And I'd forgotten that that was that was a thing that I'd wanted. And that's, that's an amazing yeah. thing. And there's a thing a lot about mental health for 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 musicians because a, sh- a crap ton of musicians have mental health problems. And a lot of them because they associate the value of themselves with the value of of of, of their band and how popular their band is and stuff like that. Same with and actors. And I'm sure actors, same with actors, actors, yeah. actors, and all types of performers are the same. And it's not the same. You know, it's it's it doesn't. You got. I mean, it is the same, but it's not. There's a difference a between you be what you do about. and who you yeah. are. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And they will overlap, but it doesn't yeah, have to yeah. define you. And there's there's a whole thing about that. But when you're that age, 14, you've got ideas in your head about how a band should be run. You should be doing this because that's all what the big bands did in the 70s. The world is radically different to the 1970s and 1980s and 1990s and 1960s and, to, and even the 2000s, right? The world is very, very different now. The internet is a very different thing and we all have to radically change how we're operating as musicians because mm. the, the algorithms don't work in the way that they used to. You know, you don't just do enough gigs and then eventually someone will spot you. It doesn't work like that anymore for one thing you can't get people off their asses to stop watching netflix and come down to the pub and watch a band anymore and a lot of people have decided to be in bands and then they keep doing it without trying to get better that's kind of a thing and so you end up with buckets of bands who aren't actually that good who, who are very average to be, yeah. yeah who aren't trying to be good right now i totally believe that you should just play music for the sake of playing music but there is an issue in the local bands who don't want to get any better than what they are ended up turning the scene into something that was really kind of uh repulsive for for, for repulsive isn't the word but it, it, it repelled a lot of punters because mm. people don't want to go to see a local band playing their own own music if you know eight times out of ten they're not even trying to be any good you know they're not even yeah. trying Whereas people were happy to go see a covers band or a tribute band, or they're happy to go to a club night 
where they can hear their favourite songs done well by people who are doing it for money. Yeah. So if you're doing it for money, then you're doing it properly. Generally, that's the rule. I have a you friend know. who um, does gig singing and she gets booked through her agency based on based on themes. So she will yeah. go and do an ABBA night. She will go and do a 60s night, a 70s night. And so it's live music by a professional singer, but you know what you're going to get exactly, when you go yeah. and see it. Yeah. yeah. She, she made good money off that for a really long time, actually. It's, it's why the Disturbed song that everyone knows, by everyone, I mean actually everyone, because rock people know, you know, Down With The Sickness, but everyone knows, um, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, you know, but even normal people have heard that, that Disturbed cover yeah. of uh, Simon and Garfunkel, because it's a cover song and it's a song that everyone already knows, you know, mm. and um, people like what they lo- they know, not what they like, as mm. a thing, there's a rule about that. And uh, it could be tricky. Women are now buying more guitars than men. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a lot more girls coming out. Uh, Thanks, Susie Quattro. Yeah, boom. There's a lot more women being involved in music, which is a really, really good thing. Uh, that was something uh, to, I struggled to, with when I was to, a teenager. So I was a teenager who loved rock music. Yeah. And before Paramore came out, because I know that... Because, I mean, even Paramore, they were a bit of an enigma, but it was so rare to find music I liked that... I could, for example, that I could sing because yeah. it was written and performed by written men, for blokes. and yeah. I wasn't good enough on guitar and piano to transpose things for my voice or any anything like that. Mm. And then the female singers. Don't get me wrong. There's a part of me that loves female pop music because of the kind of yeah, yeah, feminine yeah, yeah. energy and the sisterhood that yep, comes yep, from yep. it. But apart from like Amy Lee, Amy Lee was the closest thing I had mm. to a female singing role model. There really weren't yeah. that many. in the 90s and noughties there just weren't there's a really good band called Hands Off Gretel who you might have even heard of actually who are really quite popular and uh, I think her name's Lauren Tate the lead singer who's really talented writes loads of music I'm going to write that down he'd probably like him I think they're a bit riot girly and they're a bit they're a bit punky I'm okay with that she's a good songwriter and um, you know women at shows in bands uh, like get loads of there's still a huge sexism problem yeah, like there genuinely is. there is a huge problem and uh i actually okay this is gonna sound really weird but when when me too came around mm-hmm. i was someone who who um wanted to contribute to it but didn't because i was a bloke so i didn't feel like that but i've been touched up by a lot of people at shows and probably a, a bit more than a lot of the women i know who are in bands mm. but i get objectified in a very different way so like um at shows, I'm very used to people grabbing my nipples and my crotch and touching my ass and stuff like that. Like, it just happens all the time. And I also get used to blokes trying to fight me. But what I don't get is people being creepy on comment- comments and stuff and making a whole thing about it. And there's a few de- debates going on because some people are like, women shouldn't be, like, uh, fronting bands and then uh, sexualizing themselves just to make music. And then other people are like, well, actually, they can do whatever the fuck they want because everyone can do whatever the fuck they want and, you know, all the power to them. And so, like, I'm, I'm more in that latter camp, you know, of, so um, of, like, well, if you've got it, then why not? You also, know? standing on a stage. So, okay, let's take you as an example. You yeah. take your top off in gigs 
a lot. Yeah. But that yes. there is a difference between you on a stage saying, I'm comfortable with my top off. Yeah. My my fan base, yes. my audience knows that I'm going to take my top yes. off. But that is not the same as someone being allowed to put their hands on you. They are yes, different very things. Different. And it is your boundary to set. Yeah. In that example, it is a woman's boundary to set in any example. If I want to go to a club in a tiny mini skirt, that doesn't mean I want anyone. Do you know, exactly. I, I saw this thing that really made me laugh. It was just like a meme. And it said, do you think men walk past other men in clubs and rub their dicks against them because the thing that men do to women in clubs a lot is they yeah. um they make it look like they're just trying to get past you but they still put their hands on and your they hips grind and, shit, and like yeah. rub against you as they're moving past and it's like would you do that to a guy nah you know i empathized a lot with a lot of the women who are speaking out about a lot of this stuff because um in in, in a different part of the world because like as as you were saying me taking my shirt off and, and, and stuff does not give anyone permission to do something. And it's no. absolutely the same argument yeah. as just a woman a woman dressing in a certain way does not mean you have any permission whatsoever to do anything to her or no. touch her or or, or you, you know you, everyone knows everyone knows like oh it's not a case it's not a case of of like oh i don't know that it's wrong to touch people up and molest people it's people just being assholes yeah. it's it's not it's not a case of not knowing it's it's a lie if anyone tells you that because people know that they're not supposed to do that they just don't honestly care yeah and like i as i said people think i'm like a cocky piece of shit and try and start fights with me and things i am so not aggressive no like i'm not. really not no. i'm not an aggressive person i try to make people feel welcome and safe and wanted i never put anyone other than myself at risk mm -hmm. at shows incidentally um and yet people see someone acting in a way that seems to them to be outwardly you know to be to be confident in themselves and they start taking liberties about that and yeah. so i i understood i don't i'm not saying it's the same experience that women have because i don't feel unsafe or anything mm. bit, though people have tried to make me feel unsafe um but i do empathize with um what a lot of female performers were saying around that kind of time period because i totally understood it because i'd had a lot of yeah. people regularly try and take especially if you're a performer for some reason yeah. people think that because you put a part of yourself yeah. not your whole self it's just your your professional self but the people yeah. think if you're in the public eye that some for some reason the public somehow owns you it was, yes. what, was what was quite oh a lovely a, quite a lovely moment was after the me too year the big year that that was the big thing um a friend of mine who i'd known since we were teenagers was visiting his family in london he doesn't live in london yeah. anymore so we went we went for a, a, a lunch and a catch-up and he really calmly and kindly and like in a welcoming way in a very f platonic friend way was like has that ever happened to you because he wasn't aware of quite what actors go through and just yeah. for the record i i have been assaulted but i haven't been assaulted for being an actor i've just been assaulted mm. in general but like i've never had it because i'm an actor i've never had someone say you know do this to get the part or anything like that mm. but it is it's a big topic and it was really lovely having one of my oldest friends kind of sit me sit down and, and just ask and just yeah. like listen yeah. to me as an actor and go wait a minute my my friend does that job my friend has yeah. done films is she okay mm. it's very sweet I was uh, last last year. I think I told you we did we did buckets of shows, and there was a point around this time of the year, kind of April May, and I realised that I had someone grab my nipple oh. every show for the last month, and and had people touching my ass. Um, 
going towards my crotch and stuff, kind of feeling mm. me up and stuff. Also, people slap you on the back really fucking hard. And I don't uh-huh. know why they do it. Like people just slap you as you go past them, but not like as a as like that, like really whacking you. Wow. And I, I was I was coming out of shows uh, with with red prints on my back. Oh my god! Because of that, and um, I I came to a point where I wasn't I like I wasn't the happiest guy at this point in time, yeah. and so I was at a point where I was just like, if someone does this again, I'm just going to lose it and just <laughs> you know fucking haul off at someone. And obviously, never done that. Wouldn't ever do that. No, but like I was starting to feel like that, and because I was in this dilemma, whereas You've all seen the videos of front men getting leery at um, uh, audience members and it never goes well for the band member. Everyone always thinks they're a dickhead unless they're calling someone out for physically assaulting someone else or like touching a girl or something. Yeah, like yeah. when Dave Grohl's done that or Billy Joe's done that and that's always really great. And I mm. really, I've, and Frank Carter's amazing for that. We should talk about Frank Carter. It, it's very rare for, for the, the front man or the singer or the performer or the guitarist even to come off well in that kind of scenario. And I've had people like try and tie my shoelaces together and stuff while I'm standing near them. And I'm just like, I could fall over and crack my head. Like, it's it's really easy for me off. to hurt myself, you know. But yeah. I, I've it's really hard not to call people out yeah. because you're balancing this thing of I need to stick up for myself and also for other people that are going to be on the stage at different times, mm. you know, or different days. And also, you know, I'm, I might just come off as a complete twat. So anyway, we, we opened up a whole whole Pandora's box there. Oh my uh, God, I know. I told um, one playful story about a guy in a band when I was 14 and look at all the avenues that opened. I know, I know. I would love to talk about some drama festivals. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry I've ranted for so long. It's fine. I'm editing this. Right. You, 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 have, a, you have a wholly... Yeah, edit as... We, just cut off everything I say. You have had a wholly different experience of festivals than me. I imagine the entire stage set up and everything, just the whole order of events is totally different. Tell me about that. Um, okay. So when I was in my second year of uni, I decided I'd never been to Edinburgh Fringe and Edinburgh Fringe is you know it is the biggest fringe festival across the world especially in in theatre and comedy now it's it's huge and that comes with goods and bad elements which I can come back to but my point is I was I was 19 and I was like I cannot just not go I need to go see it I need to see what it's about so I went with some friends I had an absolute blast I saw loads of shows on the cheap I saw I saw some like beautiful pieces of theatre that I will never forget and then said to myself right next year I'm coming back and I'm coming in a show and I did do that which is impressive because I didn't do it by paying for the show myself or being Mm. the producer I auditioned and got a part in a show that was going to Edinburgh the following year so I was really chuffed with myself uh the issue is it might still be the single worst piece of theater i've ever been in in my entire life oh my god it was awful oh my god and i was so excited when i got the part because also okay a thing that okay this is actually an important thing to bring up when actors get given parts they don't always know the full extent of what they're signing up for and actors can get really shot down because you're in the limelight people are like oh my god why did they do this shit film and what a sellout for doing that I'm not being funny a lot of the time on day one you think how do you know how good or bad the show's gonna be how do you know how good or bad the film's gonna be so um Oh my God, it was just one of the worst. So I was so excited when I got it. And um, my boyfriend and a bunch of friends all booked to come up to Edinburgh for the summer and see the show. And then I was staying with one of them while I was at rehearsals. And I remember going back to her house and just being like, this isn't 
going well. This is not going to be a good show. And it wasn't because of a talentless cast by any stretch. The cast yeah. were lovely, hardworking people. It was a musical and the, the MD worked really hard and is, is brilliant with music and later got into a fantastic music school. I think it was it was naivety on lots of different parts. I think that we we had a writer slash director who I think was just kidding himself. I'm just gonna be really blunt. Wrote something that he thought was a hard hitting social drama that was so basic and so one yeah. level and yeah. and he thought he was yeah he'd written this thing about how to about solidarity and things like that when it was it was so simplistic uh that without being cruel i i know i don't think we ever said it I don't, we never huddled up and went okay what do we but what we did do was we ended up trying to turn it into a kind of comedy because yeah. the parts were were almost sketch level they weren't oh, they weren't yeah. thought out and they weren't deep and they weren't moving so we had to turn we were turning ourselves into like archetypes so the show oh i have to say this one of the what might still be the worst day of my acting life happened doing that show because edinburgh fringe is so oversubscribed you have more people going to do a show than you have people going to watch a show yeah, yeah, at this yeah. point um because they, bands. yeah absolutely because everyone wants to wants to launch themselves and i get it and there's nothing particular like there's no one no one's being a villain there but it's it's tricky so my point is it's really normal to be doing even a great show and have nights where almost no one shows up and this this musical was particularly bad and there was one day where the whole audience we were in quite a small venue the entire audience was empty except for one reviewer yeah and we had to do the whole show for this Ooh. one guy sat with his notebook Been there. Been it there. was it was soul destroying but edinburgh fringe as a festival is fantastic i've gone back with i went back with sweeney todd which i talked about in our venues episode and sweeney todd did really really well the theater company had done edinburgh a few times before so they just had a lot more experience under their belt they had a fantastic um popular show under their belt they they were just brilliant and they were just socially on it we were going to we yeah. were going to events we were we were doing promotional singing um on the golden mile do you know what that is it's the big high street that goes through edinburgh and it's during the festival it's the most crowded road in the whole city it's where loads of people flyer for their shows but you have people street performing you have magicians and what you do is they they have got stages and you get um, you can get booked in to do a little bit of your show there as a promotional thing so we were doing all of these things and we actually did quite a long run like a good 3 week run which for edinburgh is a long time yeah. And so almost the whole festival. I think we just missed missed, sorry, um the last couple of days cuz I don't know why. I I wasn't the producer, but yeah. And that one did so well and we even with a bigger venue, like a good we had to take away some seats to fit the band in, but over 100, like easily 130 seats. And I don't think we went a night that was less than half full. And even when it was only half full, there were one or two nights. Most nights we had over 100 people in. So mm. it went really well. And it was great and, a, and an incredible experience. Like mm -hmm. even if the show isn't fantastic, I think there's a lot to learn and enjoy and love. And it's just one of those coming of age steps you got to take is going and doing something like Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. 
Hey folks, so it turns out we actually have plenty more to say on the subject of festivals, so we'll be continuing with that next week. In the meantime, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Riffs and Scripts. Please, if you have any questions for us, submit them to us at riffsandscripts at gmail.com. We will fill our last episode with responses to all of your wonderful questions. Have a good evening, folks. <laughs>